back before the days of online shopping and, and prime delivery, while shopping for books in the actual brick and mortar store was a thing, you could typically find me perusing cookbooks. It was something that, um, that I loved, food, um, and big pictures and, and recipes and, and things like that. In fact, um, there are certain stores in a mall. You guys know what malls are, right? You remember, maybe you remember, maybe not. Um, but there would be a store that uh, my wife and I would go into, and she would go to one part of the store, and I would just gravitate over to the books. And I would sit there and flip through. And she knew exactly where I was. You know, she didn't have to worry about, where's Jimmy? She could know, like, just go over to where the cookbooks are. That's where I would be. What makes for a captivating cookbook, right? You, you might think, well, it's the recipe, right? Or it's the cuisine. And you wouldn't be wrong, right? A good recipe, of course, is at the heart of a good cookbook, right? And a general interest in said cuisine or even culture. But you won't be sold on a recipe, right? If you don't know what that final product ought to look like, right? Or even steps along the way, right? You don't have to look in a cookbook for this. You can go online and search for a recipe, and in fact, a lot of recipes these days, you have to get through a whole story before you get to the actual recipe. And you have to get through all of these pictures. And I used, I used to think, wow, that's such an annoyance. Just give me the recipe. But then I realized, well, I need those pictures. It gives me an end goal. It makes me sure and certain that I'm on the right path. And when I read someone's story about a fondness toward a food or even a cuisine, I get to share even in that experience. And so here we are tonight at a table sharing a meal. And while you may be seated there, you can visibly see the experience that we all together will go through. And in fact, that is what the Passover was. While we're here to certainly remember Maundy Thursday, we have to remember where Maundy Thursday even comes from. Jesus and his disciples themselves were celebrating the Seder or the Passover meal because it was a reminder of where God's people had been and because of God are now and in the future where they would be when time came. So this Passover celebration we read a little bit in, in John 13 already about this new commandment that Jesus gives. And again, it was seated around a table with Jesus, the master, the teacher, with his disciples. And he's walking them through something that they verily had gone through their entire lives. And so they would have been very familiar with the setup. When they said it's the Passover, they knew what to expect. And what is it that they were expecting? Maybe we need a quick little history lesson, right? The, the history lesson of the Passover meal is of the Israelite people or the Hebrews leaving Egypt who once were enslaved by the Egyptians for hundreds of years, God delivering them out of that bondage and slavery and leading them to the promised land. And in fact, it says in, in Exodus, right, that tell yourselves this story over and over again, lest you forget. And if we look at the Exodus account, we know that they quickly forgot. They, in fact, said, we want to go back. How fickle, we say. And if we're honest, we look in a mirror, we ought to point that finger straight back toward us. We can forget as well. And that's why this meal, the Passover, the Seder, the order of each of these elements was significant. 
During the Seder, the cup of each participant would be filled. Four times they would drink of it. It had significance. It had meaning. It had purpose. And the purpose behind it was of a promise. But remember first, this Passover, it says this actually in Exodus chapter 12, verse 14. This day shall be for you a memorial day. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. So they're not even out of Egypt yet. And here we see God commanding his people, remember this day. Because there will come a time when you will want to forget. And you will forget because of time. So remember this day. Eat this meal. Remember these promises. We have some of these commemorations, right? And holidays that we even celebrate here in America and perhaps even throughout the world. Uniquely American holidays and traditions probably include things like, for me, the first thing that I thought of was the 4th of July, right? And there is a unique tradition with that my kids love, which is you set off explosives in your cul-de-sac, right? (laughs) Truly an American tradition. The one time of year that my family consumes large game birds, Thanksgiving, right? Piney things on Christmas, trees, wreaths, garland, and maybe Easter with bunnies and eggs. How that came into the picture, we could probably spend lots of time discussing. Some holidays have deep traditions rooted to them. And some, in fact, get us to stop and think deeply. While it's not so much a holiday, we commemorate days like 9-11 with a somber heart and attitude. And while it may be relatively new for a lot of us, The commemoration of Juneteenth, the emancipation of the last of the black slaves in America is a somber reminder that we ourselves in our own history are dealing with deep and dark and hurtful realities. So what are these four promises? What were these four promises that that God was wanting his people to remember? We see it in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from the slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Here are those four promises that we see. First, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Secondly, I will deliver you from slavery. I'll share a little bit more on the similarity, but at the same time, the differences between those two promises. Thirdly, I will redeem you. And fourthly, I will take you to be my people. Promises one and two. Tell the people, it communicates, this meal, the Passover, communicates to those participants, remember, remember. What is it that they are to remember? You are to remember whose you are, that you are God. So you are renewing your promise or your covenant to the Lord, just like you would on your anniversary date if you're married. You remember on your anniversary the vows that you've taken with your partner. So promise one, I will bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians, God alone is the one who saves. See how many times he says, I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. 
This first promise that he will bring us out from the burdens of the Egyptians is one that states our new status. No longer a slave, but free. In fact, you can say that you are being set apart. The Egyptians, or sorry, the Israelites or the Hebrews were being set apart as people who were no longer slaves, but now free. This would have been the first cup that they would have taken and drank and said, yes, we are a set apart people. And so there's the first promise in the first cup. The second promise in the second cup is one of, uh, of, of, of community, of being uh, of praise in community, right? We were delivered out of slavery. It's so similar to the first promise, but remember this, or keep this in mind. The first one acknowledges the act of redemption, whereas the second promise, it almost gives you a freedom to celebrate. You can celebrate the fact that you are no longer a slave, no longer a no one. Instead, you're called out to be sons and daughters, children of God. Another, in another place in, in the in Nexus, it says, I made you who once were not a people and made you my people. Once not a nation and into a nation. This moves the individual to praise. You can see it. Every intentional piece on the table, every intentional aspect of the meal was to call into remembrance and renewal of this promise. And then the third promise, which I'll only get into and tease you a little bit, the promise of redemption. If you remember back in the Old Testament story of the Passover, the initiation of the Passover, the literal passing over, what does that point to? It points to the angel of death passing over the homes of the Hebrews who had done what? Who had sacrificed the lamb and taken the blood of that lamb and applied it over the doorposts of their homes. Redemption in the Old Testament required a bloody sacrifice. A shed blood is what was helped or what saved those individuals or those households. Exodus 12, verse 13. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, God says, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Who is it that redeems? It is God. What is the sign or what is a marker of this redemption? Shed blood. So at this moment, we're going to pause in our service. Just like a, a good cookbook gives us a picture of what a meal ought to look like. Right? A song, in a way, takes words on a screen or on a page, putting it to melody, singing it together within community, and it hits a little bit different, doesn't it, than if you were to just read it on your own or even sing it alone. So let's sing this song. Let's continue in worship, thinking and remembering who this God who saves is. All these pieces broken and 
So the disciples would have been reclining around the table with Jesus, and he's leading them through the meal. As Jimmy said, something they had probably been doing every year since they were born. They knew what was coming next. They probably would have just finished singing a song around the table, just like we did. It's time for the third cup, and they know it's coming. They know the promise. This is a third promise from Exodus 6. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And then Jesus was supposed to say what they said every year. But on the third cup, Jesus said something different. It wasn't what they said every year. It was different. Listen to what he said. Every gospel picks it up. We're going to look in Matthew. 
in chapter 26, verse 26, he says, now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat, this is my body. That's new. Nobody said that before. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Can you imagine what the disciples were doing in that moment? Looking around at each other? That's not what he was supposed to say. What does he mean? What does this mean? What Jesus is doing is he's expanding this covenant promise in Exodus. This new covenant is not a dismissal of the old covenant, but it's, it's an enlarging of it. It's making it bigger and more real. You see, this covenant, it doesn't do away with Exodus. It doesn't say that that didn't really happen. It's saying, yes, that happened, but it was pointing ahead to something even better. A better covenant, a real fulfillment. You see, in Jesus, in this moment, he's saying, I am fulfilling all of the promises that we've been rehearsing every single year. The promises to bring you out from slavery to, not to the Egyptians, but slavery to sin and to death. And the reason he brings us out in those first two promises is because the third promise is now true in him. The third promise, I will redeem you, it happens in Jesus. This third cup has a brand new meaning. That's why this is the cup we celebrate every time we take the Lord's Supper. Because it's this one where Jesus set it aside and did something very different. The blood of the covenant, as Jimmy said before, it protected the Israelites from the angel of death. They were passed over and death didn't touch them because the blood covered them. The blood of the lamb that they sacrificed. Now in Christ, he said, my blood is for the forgiveness of your sins. And the wages of sin is death. And so when Jesus gives his blood for us, there's a new Passover happening. As those in Christ, death does not have victory because we are covered by the blood of the true and better lamb. And this true and better lamb is not sacrificed over and over again every year. We don't just celebrate the meal once a year. That sacrifice was once for all time. It's irrevocable. You can't get out of it. He saved you. You're his. And so we commemorate it. We remember it and we experience it often. Every time we do this, we remember we are redeemed people, brought out of slavery and immune to death's ultimate victory. That's what this third cup is. When Jesus picked this cup up, he said, we're not looking to that lamb. I am the new lamb. It is my body and my blood that redeem you. Jesus said something very different. And so when we come to this table now, as we come to it, we experience it. It's not just a memory. It's an experience. You see, this is the true story of the world. And the story didn't end with the last pages of the Bible. It didn't end when Jesus ascended to heaven. 
The story continues now, and we are all active participants in the story. And we take the table, we take it with Jesus. His spirit is present with us right now. And so as we go to the table, we are renewing our covenant to the Lord. But we're also experiencing a covenant renewal ceremony. And in that, God is actively renewing us by his spirit. As we taste these elements, we taste it with body and soul. And God, by his spirit, works in our spirit to strengthen us and renew us in a way that is frankly a mystery. But he works through it as we remember and experience this covenant. So we're going to come to the table. But as we do, I'd like to ask us to prepare our hearts. Because the reason blood had to be shed is because the only thing we bring to the table is our sin. And so I want us to confess our sins to the Lord. We're going to do it silently on our own, but we're also going to celebrate. Not only did he have to die for our sin, but he was glad to die so that we would all have a seat and be welcomed at this table. So let's take a time now silently to both confess and to celebrate. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you hear us. Everything that we have said in our hearts, you already have known. And in Christ, you have forgiven us entirely. So we rejoice in that. We pray in your name. Amen. The assurance of your pardon that you are forgiven, it's right here. You're going to taste your assurance as we come to this table. This table is for followers of Christ who believe that everything that we have just been talking about really is the true story of the world. If you feel like, I'm, I'm struggling, I wanna believe, I know I'm a believer, but I just, I keep feeling like I'm weak. This table's here to bring you strength. So don't shy away from it. Come to it, let God do his work in you through it. If you're a follower of Christ, but you would say that there's a sin in your life that you know is sin, but you would tell God, I would rather have this than you. And Paul warns you and says, this table is a judgment, so don't come. And I would ask you, even while the elements are going around, to take this time and say, Lord, make yourself and my life more beautiful than the sin that I'm running to. And if you're here just investigating the things of Christianity, you're not sure if you believe these or not, this is a wonderful place for you to be. Keep investigating, keep asking the questions you're asking. But I would ask you to wait to come to this table until you would say, I, I think this stuff is true. And you become a member of Christ's church. So with that, I'd like to invite the elders to come forward and I'm gonna pray to set apart these common elements for his use. Heavenly Father, 
we love you. We thank you so much that you give us this celebration, not once a year, but over and over and over again to remind us of the truth that you sent your son to bring us life. And Lord, would you renew us body and soul as we take these elements, would you work them in us to your glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Elders could come forward. As the meal is distributed, I want you to reflect, I want you to celebrate, but I also want you to look around because this table is usually done, this meal is usually done around a table, not by yourself. The unity that Christ won with us and him also brings unity with one another. So enjoy each other as we enjoy this table. You can take the bread on your own and then hold the cup and we will take that together. If you need gluten-free, please raise your hand and somebody will bring that to you. Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat, this is my body.
and he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you. Nothing 
Jimmy said that there were four promises. So there should be four cups, right? Jesus took the third cup, but then he does something else very different. You see, the fourth promise in Exodus 6, verse 7 says, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. But Jesus didn't take that cup. He said something different instead. In Matthew 26, verse 29, he says this. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He left the meal unfinished. He didn't take that cup because he said, I'm waiting. He's waiting till all his people are gathered together. And it's so interesting because the language of Exodus 6, verse 7 that we just read is the language of the book of Revelation. Specifically in chapters 19 through 22, the very end of the Bible. You know, what happens in chapter 19 is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. I think that's the continuation of this meal where we take that fourth cup with him. Because we're celebrating the lamb here and we will be with him and he will lead this meal there. And he will drink with us from that fourth cup because that fourth cup will be completely true. The Exodus language in chapter six, verse seven is the same language in Revelation 21. Listen to it. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. That's the fulfillment of the promise in Exodus 6. This is the cup that Jesus is going to take with us, and this is going to be true because we'll be around that table with him together. And you know what he does after that? He will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. God is renewing us now, and every time we come to this table, he's renewing us and strengthening us, but he will make us completely new then. We are looking forward to that day, even as we take this table now. Interestingly enough, the end of the book of Revelation ends with Jesus saying that he's coming soon. And there's a tradition that the early church would do every time they took the Lord's Supper together, commemorating that third cup like we did tonight. They would finish the meal by singing a song together. And the song was based on an Aramaic word, Maranatha. And that word means, come, O Lord. And so we're gonna finish the meal that way too. We're gonna let the last verses of the Bible be our benediction, and then we're gonna sing that together. So I'd like to ask you to stand.
And we are going to do this benediction together responsively. So I will start us. From Revelation chapter 22, verses 20 and 21. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon together. Amen. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Let's sing. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and to find other sermons from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.